Welcome to the Kate McGuire podcast, the bridge to health, where we help people live healthier lives. I had a life-changing experience with natural medicine in my 20s and became passionate about health, nutrition, and natural alternatives, and it is right here that you will find answers. My goal is to give you access to experts and information to help you on your health journey. My other passion is business, and as a multiple business owner, I provide an insider view of the entrepreneurial journey and share the path to help you achieve success sooner and better. Remember to follow me on Instagram at katemaguire.ca for more information and reach out to me if there's something you'd like to hear more of or information I can track down for you. I am your host, Kate McGuire. Welcome to my podcast, The Bridge to Health. Let's get started. And today I am bringing you Nora Pope, a fertility expert. Nora is an educator, content creator, public speaker, and was a naturopathic doctor in Toronto from 2002 to 2019. She is the producer of Cycle Charting, the Key to Fertility Seminars. She is a popular public speaker, and since 2003, Nora Pope has been educating physicians, surgeons, midwives, pharmacists, and healthcare professionals on the scientific use of natural medicines. She has presented at numerous continuing education conferences on drug-herb interactions, epilepsy, pregnancy, fertility cycle charting, and progesterone HRT. In her continuing education lecture, she merges her expertise in cycle charting with perinatal care in calculating precise due dates, how to flag risks from miscarriages, how to prescribe progesterone to prevent preterm births, and how to naturally space out the next pregnancy during breastfeeding. She is a graduate of McGill University and the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine. She trained in NAPRO technology as a natural family planning medical consultant auditor at the Creighton University School of Medicine, and she is a Creighton model fertility care practitioner. Since 1994, Nora Pope is a progesterone and natural family planning cycle charting advocate and looks forward to the day when hormonal contraception becomes obsolete due to all couples attaining body literacy and knowing when they are fertile. It was a great conversation. I learned so much. You will too. Hi, Nora Pope. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. I have to tell you that I started the podcast last year and one of my first podcasts was another naturopathic doctor who came on and told her fertility story just about trying to get pregnant. She was having a hard time getting pregnant and it has had the most listens that episode. Great. Yeah. So what that obviously told me is that this is something that's of great interest to people. And I think having you here today is really exciting for me because I think the goal of the podcast is to try and be a bridge to bring information to people that they wouldn't necessarily know about. And I'm sure with fertility being a struggle for some that, that the accumulation and finding out information for wherever they can get it is so, so important. So I really hope today we can just sort of talk about all the amazing things you're doing and hopefully help somebody out there who is on a fertility journey. You co-founded the Fertility Continuing Education Clinic. And basically, why don't you tell us about that? Jessica Liu is a naturopathic doctor who practices in, in Mississauga. And I practiced in Toronto for about 20 years. And I closed my practice about four years ago because I wanted to focus on teaching. And I've been teaching doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals and naturopathic doctors since 2003. And I've been giving continuing education courses on drug-herb interactions, drug-drug interactions, 
And because naturopathic doctors are trained to learn about any potential interaction between any drug and any natural health product or botanical medicine. And so I love teaching. So I decided to continue teaching. And since the 90s, I've been an advocate of charting your cycle and then knowing when you're fertile, when you're not fertile, because I'm a big believer in trying to make, you know, human reproduction as least toxic as possible and as natural as possible. So natural family planning has been around since well, almost a century. It's been of, of interest to researchers all over the world. And a couple from Australia called John and Evelyn Billings, they were two doctors and they toured the world to talk, talk about natural family planning and, and natural fertility awareness. And basically what they elucidated is that when a woman is ovulating, meaning when her egg grows, you know, and women have one egg that, get, that grows and gets released once a month, the follicle grows and as it's growing, it's pumping out more estrogen. And then our body produces fertile fluid, fertile cervical fluid. And what I mean by fertile is that it's sperm friendly. So as a man produces seminal fluid to keep his sperm alive, his seminal fluid is full of sugar and fructose and potassium and zinc and minerals that keep the sperm alive. Well, the woman produces that same sweet fructose mineral rich cervical fluid fertile fluid as the follicles growing it's driven by blood estrogen going up and that's what the billings had elucidated and then i trained under dr tom hilgers in the states and he offered a course via creighton university on obstetrics and gynecology and what he did was he was correlating rising rates of infertility based on less white flow or less cervical fluid that women were producing so you could say one analogy is that a man is fertile every day because he can produce seminal fluid every day. A woman is not fertile every day. Her, she only produces white flow or cervical fluid when that follicle is growing and it's about to hatch. So the woman's fertility window are her white flow days plus three because that's when her cervix is still open and that's when sperm can travel in her body. So this is quite revolutionary because the fear that girls and single women have is it's like, oh, I can get pregnant any day and men hate wearing condoms. And so you know, we have a lot of fear. And if a couple cooperates and learns about fertility awareness and learns about the woman's fertile days, what's relevant is when the woman is fertile, not when the man is fertile. And I, I believe there's a cultural anxiety because men are fertile every day. So they assume women can get pregnant every day. Well, no, that's an assumption. That's a male construct. Women are not fertile every day. So I teach that I've been promoting this when I was at naturopathic school in the nineties at the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine. I was the only woman in the class who knew when she was fertile and she wasn't. And I found that amazing. Now it's changing because we're, I'm teaching naturopathic doctors. Yes. I've taught almost 400 naturopathic doctors about cycle charting all over the world. So Canada, the US, the Middle East, England, Germany, Hawaii. That's, yeah. that's a lovely country onto itself. And, and it's, it's been very exciting. And now pharmacists are taking our course from all over North America, midwives, nurses, nurse practitioners, obstetricians and gynecologists, and family physicians, because this is not taught in conventional medical schools. No. And at our peril, because if you don't know about fertility literacy, or body literacy, then you can't really help. You don't know what you're, what, you want to restore someone to health. That's the physician's highest calling is to cure, is to make an unwell patient well. And so we teach a restorative model of fertility cures. And it's, I love it. I love it. And 
we, we recorded a six hour video and which was live. So we had a, a live audience of several hundred people and we're still, it's uploaded and we're still selling it because it's still just as relevant as ever. And, and we're going to keep selling it. And well, I, I love the premise of that, the, the literacy, the body literacy and the whole reason I ended up in the naturopathic community and in the natural health world was because I took my own health into my hands and very much what you're talking about here is about educating oneself and understanding your body and how that you're able to. And I think we live in a day and age now where people have given up the opportunity to know themselves and just simply think they can plonk themselves in front of a doctor and just get an answer or just a pill to fix it, a pill for every ill. And I am such a believer in the natural health industry. That's why I started 20 years ago. It's specifically because of the things that you're talking about right here, right now, that this is really about people taking their own health into their own hands and learning about themselves again and how they can work with their bodies. So, so this is, this is such a great thing. Now, when you like, how, how do doctors, pharmacists, naturopathic doctors, midwives, how do they all come to find you? And how has this now become important to them? I could see it from mid midwives for sure, but I guess actually the midwives, you know, it's, it's very curious. We've, I think what's happened. So I'm going to go back to the sixties. We had, again, I, I like to talk about cultural anxiety because that has really impacted how we view human reproduction. Mm-hmm. Paul Ehrlich wrote a book called The Population Bomb in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. And he, he predicted we're all going to starve in X number of years. And well, here we are. And, uh, you know, and so sadly, that had very aggressive policy ramifications. So if you can think of China and the one child policy, you know, people framed the one-child policy is a common good, as a virtue. It was very violent. It was yes. violent. It's basically more female fetuses were aborted than male fetuses. So there was, you know, an inherent, you know, the worst kind of patriarchy. And the assumption was we're all going to starve. And I think that that had a huge influence. And it's been debunked. And we're not starving. We're still here. And now irony of ironies is let's look at China. Their population is declining. But whereas men, boys used to be more valued than girls, now I'm not saying that girls are more valued. I would say that boys or men have been devalued. Mm. And right now you have 30 million men that will never find a wife. Mm-hmm. You have all this male energy maybe being shunted into an army. And it's very patriarchal and very violent. And this, this had a tremendous effect, I think, on the culture that we're going to we're starved to death. And this has been going on for centuries. Thomas Malthus in the 1700s went to India and thought, oh, my God, we have one billion people on the planet. We're all going to starve. And as you can, as you can see, it's white men sort of influencing non-white men and women to have fewer babies. And I find this reprehensible and racist. So this is in, in sort of the, the, the ether, if you wish. And so... You know, so we have the pill. The pill came out in the 60s. And then slowly but surely, maybe 10 years later, famous people like Carly Simon get breast cancer and more and more people get breast cancer because they were early adopters of the pill. And maybe we start questioning about a pill for a so-called ill. Well, the so-called ill is fertility. Well, why not learn about your body? And I think what's happened now is that, you know, we don't want cancer. We don't want artificial chemicals in our water supply. 
you know, sperm counts are declining. Good old Denmark has done a lot of research on the pill. They've correlated higher rates of depression in women on the pill, and they've correlated declining sperm counts. So correlation is not causation, but you can put two and two together. And we can say generally that maybe pollution is not good for sperm health. And maybe there's just too much, too many metabolites in the water supply to, to je which jeopardizes human health. So I think, I think there's a lot of reasons why people are more interested in natural ways. And sadly, the billings got drowned out. They got drowned out because the message was we were overpopulated. And that's, that's tragic. They both passed away, but they were great pioneers in the world of fertility awareness. Now, fast forward. So in my lifetime as a, as a practicing naturopathic doctor from 2002 to 2019, I saw many generations of people wanting to learn about cycle charting. So initially you had couples in their forties wanting to, you know, their, they felt it was their last chance and they want to really enhance their fertility and use cycle charting. Then you had couples in their thirties. Then you had couples in their twenties, you know, so rising in fertility, what's going on. And then my favorite group of all was teenage girls who didn't want to be on the pill anymore because they had acne or painful periods. And then a subgroup of mine were women with epilepsy. And in some women, if you have low progesterone, that can bring on a seizure. So by charting your cycle, not only do you learn about your white flow days, which are your estrogen days, but when the white flow stops, you enter your progesterone zone of the cycle, the corpus luteum, the shell of the follicle that just ruptured is pumping out progesterone. And if it's low, that can bring on a seizure. So my point is that human health and human hormones, it's not just about making babies. And I don't have children. I've never been pregnant. So I tell people I don't have a reproductive agenda. I have a health restoration agenda. And if I can help someone not have acne, not have painful periods, have a natural sex life without chemicals and reduce their seizures, that's some of the applications of cycle charting. It's quite global. And so there, so, um, that, that, so, I, think, oh, so I think, I think that the evolution, it comes in layers. There's never one reason why people have an interest in something. You have multiple reasons. So I think, no, the world's not going to implode. We're not overpopulated. The world should be less polluted. We all can agree on that. And why is infertility on the rise? I think it's a pollution has a lot to do with it. A lot. Yes. Of declining sperm rates or, and then we have declining ovulation rates because we have too much pollution in the world. So there. Wow. It's incredible. And everything you've just said there, I'm trying to like, there's a million pieces I want to <laughs> latch on to. The funny thing is, and you're so right about this, that, and I, I found when I, when it came time that I wanted to have children with my husband, suddenly it became about, okay, we're going to start trying rather than for, you know, most part of women's lives before they settle into mm -hmm. a, a committed relationship is like, they're, I don't want, or I don't want to get pregnant. I don't want to get mm -hmm. pregnant. And it's like, it, it's like, it can just happen so quickly and you're avoiding it the whole time. And then suddenly, once you want to have a baby, you're suddenly trying to get pregnant. Yeah. Like it's really hard to do. Yeah. And I know I was 34 and 36, but I had a friend who I had just gotten married and she said, Oh, are you going to start having children? I said, we're going to take our time. And she said, Kate, start as soon as possible. Cause she said, I know so many women now who, you know, hit that 35, they think they'll hold on. And, and it's hard. It's really, really hard. I was fortunate that 
I was able to get pregnant quite, quite quickly, quite easily, but I know that this is, it's such a big topic now. And yeah, it's not just, you know, if you're older in your forties or in your thirties, like this is, this is a thing, right? So do you have women and couples that are tracking you down for this information? They Um, did when when I was, so my, yes. So my business partner, Jessica Liu in her practice, absolutely. She uses cycle charting for her patients. I used to, I especially like my, my, my niche was epilepsy. So I'd had a lot of, you know, and what took you to that? Why were you, I I had my, I was reading when I was a little girl and just, you know, epilepsy. And I really, again, I think another podcast I'd love to do with you is on drug herb interactions and all your knowledge there. I mean, yeah, amazing stuff, but yeah. What took you to epilepsy and then ultimately to fertility? It's what happened was when I was growing up, two very good friends of mine in grade school and high school each had a sibling with epilepsy so i'd go over to their house and i'd see their siblings have seizures and i think what happened was i i became you know empathetic and i wasn't afraid mm-hmm. and so fast forward i'm in clinic at the, the canadian college of naturopathic medicine and we're treating children with seizures and i had an i had a natural inclination i could just be detached and empathetic and I think that put me in a very good space where I wasn't afraid. I wasn't judgmental. I wasn't, it wasn't negative. It just was, it was just a seizure. And I want to know, how do you pinpoint it? Is there a pH trigger? So, so in some children, the ketogenic diet is very beneficial because it makes their body more acidic by consuming more fats. And, and that can have a positive impact because I think in, in sort of the action potentials in the brain, if it's too alkaline, they, they overfire too much. So a ketogenic diet can change the pH and modulate action potentials and modulate seizures. So that's one reason. Another reason, as I mentioned, maybe low progesterone. Another reason could be, you know, basically allergies. And there's a very high correlation with people with epilepsy and eczema, for instance. So I'm very interested in looking at allergies. So for me, it was just a very, it was detective work. And I think that's why I gravitated to it. And then when I started, every, t- every time I see a woman in my practice, if they really should be cycle charting, then they ask me, no, why don't you teach me cycle charting because I have to go to somewhere else. So I, so I decided to take the obstetrics and gynecology course so I could really understand all the pharmacology behind it. And it was wonderful. It was just wonderful. And uh, what the course taught me is how little we appreciate progesterone in, in human health. And progesterone is misunderstood. And I watched something like Chicago Meds. I love soap operas and I love Chicago Med and they're saying in the ER progesterone is dangerous well no progesterone can save a life in the ER for Christ's sake you know so in my course I teach that if a woman's having a miscarriage in the ER fine an ultrasound is good an HCG blood test is good but why not test for microbes and infection and test for progesterone and by giving the woman an antibiotic and progesterone you could arrest the premature labor and save save the life of the baby so that's what gets me excited. That's, that's the information I want to get out there. So, so and so okay. I, that's why I'm focusing on healthcare professionals because they still don't know enough about progesterone's life-saving potential. And then I'm very interested in body literacy. And by the way, I want to shout out to a woman called Laura Wurschler. I'll give you her links, but she, Laura Wurschler coined the term body literacy. Okay. And I'm eternally grateful. And I just, I'd like to always acknowledge her authorship of the term. Yeah. I I often say lots of things and I don't own any of them. They're from everybody else. (laughs) Yeah. So no, we're, we're a small community. People who are interested in fertility awareness are are a small community and I like to tag them and promote them and so forth. And so, 
but that thing, I think that's what got me excited is that I go from epilepsy to women's health to getting the message out there. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's, 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 it's a process. So if you could tell me then low progesterone, how do we produce, how do we make progesterone? How, how, how do we get progesterone sure. and how, how does it impact our body? And if we have it low or how, how does all this work? Sure. So I'll, I'll sort of go through the chronology of my thinking. So my, my big tagline of, of my company, Fertility CE, is, is called White Flow Makes Babies. And why is that important? Because I want to show how people fixate on egg quality and sperm quality in the reproductive world. And I think that's so reductionist. And I, and I find it a little dehumanizing because that's, that's language from vets. That's how vets talk about cows and bulls and so forth. And we're, we're human beings. We're a little more complex. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I, I like to use different language. I like to use gentler physiology language, like maybe follicular function or oocyte maturation and maternal, you know, oocytes or maternal follicular function. So basically white flow happens in a woman when the follicle is growing. Because when the follicle is growing prior to ovulation, it's pumping out estrogen. Right. And that blood estrogen is turning on receptors in the cervix to produce friendly fluid, sperm friendly fluid, cervical fluid, white flow. And that's only when the follicle is growing. And then that's the only time a woman can get pregnant is during those days of white flow plus three, because you add three because the cervix stays open for about three days after that, that fluid, that follicle stops growing. And is that part of the cycle the, that the right? follicles, is that part of the cycle that the follicles grow it's, it's every, the half, every, it's the first, every cycle? It's the first okay. half of the cycle. It's called the estrogen time. It's the follicular time. The follicles growing, pumping out estrogen, turning on the friendly flow, the white flow, the friendly fluid of the cervix. So during intercourse, when the man ejaculates, his sperm is swimming out of his body and it's swimming in the woman's body in her white flow. So it goes up the cervix, up the uterus, up the fallopian tubes or the uterine tubes. I have to use sort of different language. Fallopian is patriarchal. Dr. Fallopia, he, there's not a man in our tubes. It's a woman's tubes, the uterine tubes anyway. So, and we're conceived in the uterine tubes. And then the conceptus rolls out of the tube and implants in the uterus. And that, but we're conceived in white flow in the tube, in this tunnel. And it's very union, you know? So, so that's, that's the first half of the cycle. Why I'm and, saying and let me just for, ask you, there's the fallopian tube was actually named off after Dr. Fallopia. There you go. <laughs> so all, there's all kinds of women's parts named after male doctors, but they're women's parts. So I'm going to call them uterine tube, which is geographically precise and it's anatomically precise language. That's the language we like. So thank you, Dr. Fallopia, for the wonderful discovery <laughs> on dissection of human cadavers, but it's very Incredible. important. You know, mm -hmm. you need to dissect cadavers to learn about the blue body, absolutely. But thank you, but no thank you, it's a uterine tube. Thank you. So, <laughs> so, so anyway, okay. So where was I? That was, that was phase one. So, sorry? Or that was phase one that we had covered, right? Yes, so the, fo the follicle is growing. And so mm -hmm. this is important. Then when estrogen surges, estrogen, estrogen peaks, that's the last day of friendly fluid. That's your, your peak day of white flow. And then the peak in estrogen drops abruptly and your body stops making that friendly fluid. That's why the next day when you're wiping, you're very dry. That drop in estrogen triggers luteinizing hormone, the, the LH surge, and luteinizing hormone, luteinizing means yellowing or softening of the follicle. So think of an eggshell 
softening like a yellow raisin. And because it's softer, the egg can hatch easily and the ova gets released into the fallopian tube or the uterine tube, excuse me. So then progesterone is made from that yellow raisin. It's called a corpus luteum or yellow body. And that yellow raisin is pumping out progesterone for about anywhere from 10 to 14 days. Oh, so after the white flow days, which are yeah. about th three days. And no, no, oh. it could be any number of day, but then you okay. can add three because that's the fertility window. The cervix is still open. So okay. remember, okay, I should step back. This method, because this method came out in the 60s. Oh my God, the world is overpopulated. We're all going to starve. The Dr. Billings invented this method to avoid pregnancy. Mm. Okay? Because we, we have too many babies on the planet. So they their patients hated the pill. They got terrible reactions. They got you know terrible reactions to the pill. And they wanted a natural way to regulate the fertility. So it's very precise at avoiding pregnancy. But lo and behold, when you in the couple women in the 60s had much healthier cycles than women now. So you had five days of red flow, like a period should be five days. The white flow should be five days plus three. That's eight days of a fertility window in a woman's cycle. I and see. Anywhere from 10 to 15 days after the white flow ends. So at, you know, two times five or three times five, mm -hmm. that's a healthy cycle. So I call it the rule of five. Five days of period of red flow, five days of white flow, and 10 to 15 days after your white flow ends. And that's the rule of five. And if you have those biomarkers, cycle in, cycle out, you're healthy. So your cycle could be 27 days or 32 days, just because there's a bit of variation after your period. If you have those healthy biomarkers, like you're a healthy woman. And I teach that in my course too. It's called the rule of five. And Amazing. doctors love it because they can explain it to their patients. Look, let's look for the rule of five. And then yes, you're healthy. Oh, okay. You have two days of red flow. So that means the previous cycle, the corpus luteum and the follicle weren't that big because mm -hmm. your lining wasn't built up as much. So the nest is not thick enough and healthy enough to receive an, the implantation of a, the conceptus. So, you know, it, it, it all, it's a process. It's a process. So. And is that what happens in menopause that the periods get shorter because then the follicles aren't building up as much anymore? Yeah. So you have either, you have follicles that either don't hatch the egg or the ova. So what happens is you don't have a complete so luteinization, shall we say, you have a partial luteinization. So the follicle is smaller, small follicle, less white flow. So maybe one or two days of white flow, smaller follicle, smaller corpus luteum. So less progesterone being pumped out. It's just, it's a, it's a gradual natural diminish, diminishment of estrogen and progesterone. And so shorter cycles, maybe more frequent, lighter bleeds. So that's very common in, in perimenopause. Amazing. So you opened this continuing education clinic in 2020. No, it's a course. It's a course. It's not a oh, clinic. Okay, excuse it's me. Just, it's a I course. just teach. Yeah. Yeah. And is it live? It's pre-recorded. It's something that they would, you know, it's it's, would... it's 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 uploaded, so it's pre-recorded. And then part of part of the admission price is you get one-on-one -on -one phone support with with me because and I love this. Of the four hundred students that we have, registrants, I should say, healthcare professionals, I would say maybe twenty-five. You know, take the time to no, maybe thirty. You know. So anyway, that's let's you know that's you know, what is that? That's maybe 10, 10%. So, so less than 10% will call me. And in 14 minutes, in a 14 minute phone call, we can go through 10 slides, clarify a lot. I love it. So I get mm -hmm. very viable feedback about what to add in our next course. So we're working on our next course, 
But I love doing the one-on-one phone support because I hear from people in the field and they actually like the information. <laughs> they like it and they're using it. And I'm thinking, yes. Another day I had a doctor from Winnipeg tell me that her, her patient had a, a strange discharge. It wasn't white flow, it was very watery. And if it's just watery, if it's just wet, that can indicate an infection. And she told her patient to go on antibiotics and, and she had a full-term pregnancy. Before that, she had three miscarriages. Mm. So maybe it was the infection that went undetected. So by, by going on those antibiotics for a course of you know, 14 to 21 days, she had a full-term pregnancy. So this is the kind of information I love getting out there. So yes, so and, and you can have these conversations about the nuances that mm-hmm. every patient is perhaps experiencing, and the doctor, you know, they can have that conversation with you to, like you said earlier in the conversation, a little bit of an investigation. Mm-hmm. You know, you take the investigative techniques to find out because everybody's situation is different. Mm-hmm. So cycle charting can reveal so much. So even when you're pregnant and you no longer have a period for nine months. Charting is still important because you want a dry sensation when you're wiping during pregnancy. Because that means because you have rising progesterone, the pregnancy hormone, and progesterone dries up the cervical fluid. There's no more friendly fluid. It's just dry because you're, you're pregnant. And if you have wet, wet, wet discharge, that needs to be investigated during pregnancy. Absolutely. And you were talking earlier, we were talking about low progesterone, or you were thinking how important progesterone is. So we, we yes. kind of, we went off somewhere else, but let's go back to that again about progesterone. Yeah. So, so, you know, in the course I teach, and this is based on Tom Hilger's teaching, I took a course called NAPRO technology, natural procreative technology, and it's a restorative model of obstetrics and gynecology. And basically progesterone is unacknowledged. I mean, let, let's look okay, at, if you, there was, a, in, there was a textbook study where a woman had a C-section and the doctor asked, can I take a blood draw, please, of your ovarian vein with the corpus luteum? It's only one ovary that cranks it out each month. And your ovarian vein without the corpus luteum and then your, from your arm, your systemic progesterone levels. And this is what the doctor found. In the corpus luteum without, the, in the ovarian vein without the corpus luteum and the arm, the progesterone level was at X, let's say five. And from the ovarian vein with the corpus luteum, it was at 10. It was twice as much progesterone. And what we're taught in med school is that it's the placenta that cranks out progesterone throughout pregnancy. Not true. Both ovaries do, but especially the corpus luteum. So it it goes to show that if you're struggling with fertility and struggling with conceiving, your progesterone should be monitored throughout pregnancy because your, your corpus luteum ovary and your other ovary may not be pumping out enough progesterone throughout pregnancy. And I have a lot of friends who had babies in their 40s and they went into early, you know, premature labor and maybe a little bit of progesterone would have, again, have a full term pregnancy. And, you know, these kids are fine, they're healthy, but maybe what if they weren't, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're you're preterm, you can be vulnerable to all kinds of conditions like, hey, seizures. So I know about that. And so for me, I I, I look at the prevention model and the restorative model, But but progesterone is a excellent tool to restore health and prevent future complications. And I just believe it deserves more attention. And I feel like writing to the people at Chicago Med saying, hey, why don't we do an episode on the, the value of progesterone? Mm-hmm. And it, it's, anyway, more and more doctors are interested. Tom Hilger is a NAPRO technology doctor. There are doctors all over the world who are value the power of progesterone. And uh, I'm trying to do my bit in, in terms of a more natural lens in the sense that we talk a lot about acupuncture in our course, 
botanical medicine, and then merging nutraceuticals to enhance fertility. And we go into a lot of detail in progesterone. And then there's all kinds of other drugs in the pipeline that are used off-label, but help restore hormonal balance. So, you know, like low-dose naltrexone, very interesting. It acts on endorphin receptors. Very, very interesting how the pain-killing mechanisms in the body can help balance hormones. Amphetamines. Amphetamines can help restore fertility. Again, it has to be in a low-dose, targeted. So with amphetamines, you're reducing pain. And by reducing pain, you can enhance fertility. And that's sort of logical. If you're in physical pain, like an endometriosis, the stress of the pain is going to impede health as well as fertility. So, you know, fertility is multidimensional. And that's, I think I love teaching. So I hope, I hope my energy is get conveyed to you. <laughs> it is so, it's so multidimensional and, and so complicated in some mm-hmm. ways. And I guess a regular woman who's sitting down with her doctor and is confused about what's happening. I mean, as a doctor, I, I would say hats off to the doctors that take this on because there's no simple path. There's no simple answer. There's a whole history of the person there that you need to learn about their lifestyle, their health, everything. And then what could possibly be going on? It's incredible. And I guess if someone was listening to this right now and, and they were trying to find more answers and they're listening to what you're saying, it's really fascinating. Is it something they can just ask their regular doctor about? They're going to go, yeah, they're going to go to the fertility clinic. Like how are they going to? So I, I recommend, there's a woman called Lisa Hendrickson Jacks, and she has a, um, a website called Fertility Friday, and she teaches cycle charting. And, Fertility um, Friday, okay. Fertility Friday, and she teaches the cycle charting. And I think you need to see a cycle charting instructor. So I really like Lisa. I think she does great work. And then also there's the Fertility Care Centers of America, mm-hmm. and that covers Canada as well. And they teach cycle charting. And my friend Maria Bezecchi in Calgary, she has Fertility Care of Canada, and she is fantastic. She's a pharmacist. Not only can she teach the, the charting, but she can order the blood tests and prescribe the, the restorative medication. So she's very, very talented. And but that, that's what I would where I would start. But you want to learn about cycle charting as a teenager. You want to learn it in your twenties. It's and so again, I don't have a reproductive agenda. I have a health restoration agenda and a prevention agenda. So there's a lot you can learn by body literacy. And then also it has positive cultural ramifications when you get, you know, men hate wearing condoms. I don't care what the culture that men hate wearing condoms. They just don't like it. And the pill is, has problems, has side effects. So why not learn the natural way? You can increase communication between fertile men and women. And, and then you really, it, it's, it, I think it engenders commitment and it engenders intimacy. That I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more with that because when I was a teenager, I think we were taught, uh, maybe it was mentioned the, you know, the rhythm method, but we weren't educated on it. And I think the thinking behind it is that, you know, teenagers wouldn't, it's not a, a, a safe way to prevent pregnancy, but the reality is even with the pill available, we still have Tons of pregnancies. Like- well, yeah, that's one side effect of the pill is getting pregnant because it doesn't work in some women. So that's an important side effect they should put on the label. I don't think they do. Well, I mean, and even they're wrong. not, you know, taking yeah. it properly or they've missed a pill or whatever. So they're still getting pregnant regardless yeah. of right. this, you know, yeah. apparent foolproof method they don't to have, prevent they don't pregnancy. Have body, they don't have body literacy. And then yes. it's interesting, the language that you use, unsafe or safe. So when did pregnancy become dangerous? Pregnancy is natural. 
So I look forward to the day when fertility and pregnancy and maternal health are viewed as beautiful things mm-hmm. and not scary and dangerous and you're going to die and we're overpopulated. Like it just, it's so amazing how negative it still is. But I think it's changing. I really do. Uh, anyway, China's not overpopulated anymore, apparently. So then, you know, it's like, and, and you know, it, it's interesting. And also this, anyway, so we, we shall see, we shall see, but I don't think we're overpopulated. I really don't. So. No, I mean, I, I'm no scientist. I have no idea. I have no comment on that topic, but I do know that the earth is an incredible place and it does continue to provide, right? That's, that's incredible. Okay. So Nora, I think, is there anything else you think we should cover in this conversation? Because I I think just, just to summarize, I want to just put it out there that white flow makes babies. And what that means is that, okay. And we've trademarked that expression actually, because I just think I I want to get it on every t-shirt somewhere, but anyway, but men make white flow, seminal fluid. Women make white flow, which is cervical fluid. This fluid is rich in sugar, rich in sucrose, rich in potassium and zinc. It's alkaline. So it keeps the sperm alive up to seven days. That's why the woman's fertility window is about seven or eight days. Even though her egg is only alive between 12 and 24 hours, her fertility window is longer because a man and woman can have intercourse a few days before or after ovulation. And sperm can stay alive for days and days and days in her body if she's producing that um, friendly flow, that friendly cervical fluid. So that's number one. White flow makes babies. So learning body literacy is very exciting. Number two, if you want to know if you're healthy, rule of five. Do you have five days of red flow, your period, five days of white flow, your cervical fluid, and 10 to 15 days after your white flow ends? That's the rule of five. And number three, progesterone is your friend. Progesterone is your friend and take time to get to know progesterone. She's the wallflower at the party. She's not going to be screaming out attention to herself. She builds the nest. She's the homemaker. That's progesterone. Those are my three messages for today. That is amazing. Thank you so much for wrapping it up in that beautiful little package. This has been great. Really appreciate your time today because this is really important information and I'm sure it will help so many people. So thank you. Thank you for sharing your knowledge. And it was just great to have you. Thank you, Kate. I'd love to come back. Thanks, folks, for listening. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Please follow me on Instagram at katemaguire.ca and join me for more episodes on The Bridge to Health. Bye for now. The views, information, or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment.